3: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, January 8th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the new legislative year is underway. We check in with the Senate and hear some reflections from outgoing Governor Bryant. Then the SPLC leads a coalition of advocates in urging the Department of Justice to investigate the Mississippi prison crisis. We talk to one of their lead attorneys. And in a historic moment, Willie Simmons is sworn in as Transportation Commissioner. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Senate commenced Tuesday at noon. After swearing in all 52 senators, one of the first orders of business was to elect a new president pro tempore. Republican Senator Josh Harkins of Rankin introduced the nomination of Dean Kirby. Democrat Barbara Blackman seconded the motion.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to stand before you today and uh, nominate an individual that has been a colleague, a mentor, and a close friend to me and to many others that have had the pleasure of serving with him a man that has dedicated 28 years and counting to this institution in this state.
5: The qualities possessed by Dean Kirby and his long commitment to public service have have earned him the respect and admiration of leaders from Democrats and Republicans.
3: Republican Senator Lydia Chasenal also seconded the nomination. Dean Kirby was elected president pro tempore by acclamation. Senator Bryce Wiggins, a Republican from Pascagua, tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the first meeting of the new Senate body brought a refreshing energy that will be needed to move Mississippi forward.
4: Well, look, it's exciting. I mean, there's an energy energy. Um, and I can't help but think this—you know what? This is what our state and uh, our country is about. I know that sounds, uh, uh, you know, maybe hokey a little bit, but it's not. It's 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 the right thing because that's how our system works. And you got new people, new ideas. We have a new lieutenant governor coming in. We have a new governor. Um, you know, it brings an air of excitement and things. And you got new people coming into the Senate that I think are going to add a lot. So I'm looking forward to it.
6: Well, you know, Medicaid reform is going to be an issue. Where do you stand on on doing something about expanding opportunities for
4: health care? Well, you know, I've talked to you a long time. You know what I've said that that we did Medicaid reform two years ago when we took up the medical. I'm sorry, the Medicaid Technical Amendments Bill. There's things that are in there that have not been discussed in the media. Uh, Physician limits have been raised. Uh, prescription limits have been raised. There's been no deficit request by Medicaid in, in two years that I can remember. So we're doing those things to do that. Um, and I, like I said, I think that, that, you know, in some ways that gets discussed and it's, it's low-hanging fruit when we need to be looking at ways to improve health care and to uh, improve health outcomes, it's real easy to say, just give me more money. But just giving me more money doesn't always mean or doesn't translate into results.
6: What and about that's access? A fact. Huh? Expanding access.
4: Yeah, we'll understand this about access on Medicaid. First of all, 80% of all the costs of Medicaid are driven by 20% of the population, and that's your elderly and disabled. So the access part that we're talking about is literally only a small fraction of those people. So then the question becomes, okay, for that small fraction, are we going to obligate the state going forward to literally billions of dollars? okay is there another way that we can address that i think that's what we have to be asking so that's like saying this this five percent or whatever the number is are we going to tie the hands of the of the state government and the taxpayers for the for the future in in terms of billions of dollars for five percent of the population some would say yeah it's worth it others would say can we find another way to address this
6: Another issue, teacher pay. That's yep. going to be, you know, a big issue.
4: Teacher would love to see teacher pay raise. Uh, we did it last year. And what I think everybody has to remember is that we have, unlike the feds, we have to balance our budget. And we have to work within the budget restraints that we have. And so we always want to see our teachers paid what they're worth. And, and you know. I think I would like to see the pay raise go through. Where that number stands right now, it's too early in the process to decide or to determine. I know that the, the budget-wise, we look really good. So, so we'll get to see, and as we get into the appropriations process, we'll, we'll make those decisions.
6: And your thoughts on the prison system. We've got a situation right now that's pretty dire.
4: Uh, yeah, well, like I was uh, telling some others, first and foremost, uh, my bill has passed the Senate for three years in a row to crack down on gangs in Mississippi. There were people that said gangs didn't exist. Well, I got news for you. They exist, and they exist in MDOC. That's not going to solve all the issues. Uh, there needs to be funding. This issue has, uh, the, the what's going on right now has brought it to the forefront. And, yes, we need to address it and look at ways we can do it. But um, it's, not gonna be, increases? It's, it, huh? it's not going to be fixed in one year. I mean, we didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. But uh, as a state, we have an obligation to, to victims' families, to victims, but also to inmates and their families because they are in the custody of the state, and we have a, a, an obligation in that regard. So where we get to, I don't know yet, but we need to be looking at it.
6: Will you be looking at salary increases, and improving infrastructure be, yeah, I mean, in I've,
4: there? I've said that. I'm on record as saying we need to increase that because for the work that those corrections officers do.
3: Senator Bryce Wiggins represents Senate District 52. Governor Phil Bryant was also on hand at the Capitol. He reflects on his eight years as governor with our Desiree Fraser.
2: You know, I've always been just a regular Mississippian. Um, I've never thought uh, being in a job like governor that you were any better than anyone else. I've always been respectful of the people in this building and the people of the state of Mississippi. So um, I, I've, I've tried to always, and I hope I have, just remain myself.
6: What is your biggest challenge when you look back over your career, the thing that really tormented you?
2: I think trying to move Mississippi forward altogether, trying to lift it up to the next level. Uh, and and it's so complicated because there's so many issues and problems across the state. Systemic poverty that we just got out of uh, racism that existed until the 1970s. Civil wars that are still lingering. Those things that are, were so difficult to overcome, I hope we've moved forward. Uh, I was just uh, over as Willie Simmons was being sworn in as Transportation Commissioner. What a remarkable day this is in Mississippi history. See all these great members of the House and Senate. This chamber now looks like Mississippi, both in the House and Senate. Um, That's something I'm very proud of.
6: What is your crowning achievement in your um, estimation?
2: I think education. Uh, it's funny because Republicans were always talked about how we didn't like education. If you look now with the highest graduation rates in Mississippi history, our fourth graders reading and math. Uh, leading the nation in reading and in math and science in our eighth graders. So, yeah, public education is so much better off today, and it's not because of me, but it's something that I concentrated on a great deal and worked really hard to help uh, improve, and I think we are improving.
6: And maybe you can just comment on reports that um, you are trying to reduce refugee settlement in Mississippi. Uh,
2: that's another silly report. That decision doesn't have to be made until the 21st of January, and so the new governor will be able to make that. There's no need in me trying to make a decision about refugees and leaving the burden of that responsibility or the opportunity with a new governor. Governor Reeves can make that, and, and it doesn't have to be made until the 21st of January. That's a lifetime around this building.
3: Coming up, the SPLC leads a coalition of advocates in urging the Department of Justice to investigate the Mississippi prison crisis. We talked to one of their lead attorneys. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
7: What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number 1 way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Southern Poverty Law Center is leading a coalition of reformers in a push to get the United States Justice Department to investigate the Mississippi prison crisis. Paloma Wu, a senior supervising attorney with the SPLC, was one of many speakers during and out, uh, outside the Capitol on Tuesday. She tells our Michael Gidry the current crisis is decades in the making.
0: Decades of over-incarceration and mismanagement have led to the foreseeable consequences of there being a complete breakdown in control. There has been a a longstanding um, breakdown in control and people being housed sort of in conditions that are not sustainable with human life and certainly not sustainable with human safety. And there's a lot of outrage about the narrative that's being peddled, um, that this has something to do with bad actors inside the prisons when, you know, you pour gasoline on a pile of dry leaves and you light a match and you drop it right inside there and you you blame the fire which you cause the conditions. Um, so this is uh, absolutely what we've been saying is going to happen. And it's what everybody said was going to happen. And it's what the commissioner herself was telling people that the MDOC facilities are not safe um, and they are not safe. So this is the the natural foreseeable consequences of decades of mismanagement.
7: The governor went on record stating that if this is anyone's fault, it's the fault of the inmates. But you say that the Mississippi government in general is to blame for the buildup and for creating the, the environment for this to happen.
0: In the 90s, in the racist, senseless, you know, stripping of parole eligibility from, you know, most um, people in Mississippi, um, we created a situation where almost very few people are parole eligible now. So, of the 19,000 people um, in custody in Mississippi, 14,000 of them have um, one of their sentences um, that they serve be that they're not parole eligible because they're quote unquote violent offenses. But we know that the list of violent offenses, by and large, you can do them and never hurt anybody. And for the people who do to commit them and hurt them, we know that we believe in redemption in Mississippi. We believe in the idea that people can get better and people should get out. And the sentences that we have in Mississippi are draconian. Over 30% of the people currently in custody of of MDOC are people who have drug offenses or, or other non offenses. So th- this was a situation that was created by mdoc they had knowledge um they had understanding we were getting messaging from them you know especially in the past you know one or two years that this is a powder keg about to explode it has exploded and the fact that they point the finger at the people inside who they've been torturing is um it's unconscionable the narrative that they're that they're pushing
7: we talked with uh lisa last week and Um, and maybe you can speak to some of this as well, about the the vacuum that's created when those systems break down and how that vacuum can lead to the situation specifically that we're seeing right now.
0: What you've done is you've put a lot of people who have very different backgrounds into one place. Some of them, you know, have, you know, experience, um, you know, with absolutely nothing before they get there. They could have been a child charged as an adult who goes to Parchment on their 18th birthday um, whose, um, you know, only, you know, crime was burglary and he didn't hurt anybody. Um, So you have a big mix of people in there and then... it, you know we're we're human and we need each other and no matter what we're we become bound together in ways that are, you know, kind of terrifying and in ways that are we 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 find you know kind of run of the mill but it's the setting that is creating, um, the conditions for what those relationships look like and. It's, again, it's like, the you know, pouring gasoline on a pile of leaves and then blaming the leaves when, you you know, you drop the match and everything, you know, blows up.
7: So you've addressed this letter to the Department of Justice. From a legal standpoint, what do you anticipate going forward?
0: Well, you know, we're really hopeful that the, that the Department of Justice is going to be as concerned as we are and as, you know, U.S. Congressman Benny Thompson and the dozen other partners that we, we submitted this letter with. We're... We feel we feel relatively confident that they're as horrified as the rest of the country is um, by what's going on in Mississippi right now. There's, of course, you know, the way that MDOC has been conducting itself. We have been trying to get to see our clients. We have been denied and denied and denied. There are other ways that um, people like us respond. We have all options, of course, open to us on the table, and we are you know, considering all options.
7: For those that follow the mentality that prison is for wrongdoers and if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime, what do you and your partner organizations and all those that are fighting for prison reform, what can you say about the need for functional corrections department when it, when it, when it comes to making sure that people who are incarcerated have the opportunity to leave and become productive citizens?
0: So 90% of all incarcerated people... Are going to come back into our communities and our families there's no question that people in mississippi believe in redemption that every human being has the capacity to um, be be self-actualized to do better if they've done wrong um so there there's a you know core set of, of values And, and, you know, among Mississippians, it says that any corrections department should be a department of rehabilitation and corrections and preparing people um, with the programming on the inside um, to succeed upon reentry and supporting people upon reentry. It's in everybody's best interest. I think it's really important um, that everybody know that the governor has the power today to commute sentences. Um, and a very conservative way that the governor could act today to um, substantially reduce the prison population would be to commute sentences to render nonviolent offenders immediately eligible po- for parole. Um, similarly, the legislator, legislature can take action today to, you know, substantially reduce the prison population by passing a bill um, that would render all currently incarcerated nonviolent offenders immediately eligible for parole. Same thing, different mechanism. You could take over 30 percent of the population, you know, out of MDOC in an extremely safe, sane, rational way.
3: Paloma Wu is a senior supervising attorney with the SPLC. Dora Wolf of Terry has a son currently incarcerated at Parchman. She believes the current conditions are unsafe.
5: I feel that being locked up is just not safe with MDOC. Because, I mean, and it's a lot of stuff I believe that goes on that we don't even hear about because the night that my son got injured he coded twice they airlifted him from CMI to uh university and they didn't they didn't even contact me to tell me that my son was injured and the way that I found out somebody within the facility told me and i think that it is it, sad for you to have loved ones there and they don't even care enough for their loved ones to let them know what's going on in case of emergencies. I feel that it's very unfair to the loved ones.
3: Coming up in a historic moment, Willie Simmons is sworn in as transportation commissioner. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: The votes have been cast and Tate Reeves has been elected to govern the state of Mississippi for the next four years. Mississippi Public Broadcasting will be live at the Capitol Building, providing complete coverage of the inauguration of our 65th governor. Don't miss the inauguration of Governor Tate Reeves, January 14th at 10 a.m. live on MPB Television, MPB Think Radio, and mpbonline.org.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Willie Simmons was sworn in as Central District Transportation Commissioner on Tuesday. The moment marks the first time an African-American has held that position. Mr. Simmons met with MPB's Kobe Vance during the ceremony.
1: Uh, my first goal is to encourage the commissioners to take a look at the problem of Transportation operation and make sure we're doing everything we possibly can, effective and efficiently. Then, after doing that, we want to take a look at and continue to talk about resources because right now, uh, we know that public transportation lacks resources, they're inadequate. Uh, we're operating on a funding system that's been in place that have not changed in 30 years. So we're going to be working to communicate that message to the legislative body and to the citizens of the state of Mississippi in hopes of being able to get an increase in dollars. And now, as we enter this historic day, how does this make you feel to be uh, a pioneer in this, in this department? Feel good. And uh, realize that it is time, based upon the number of individuals that you see in this room today, we'll come out to support. But also, <coughs> when we look at the election and the fact that we received votes from across Mississippi, uh, in the Central District, uh, from across the aisle, so to speak, and we won the election that the citizen of the Central District, black, white, Republicans, Democrat, uh, looking for leadership to make sure we have a good infrastructure And then do you see your time as legislature as a good way to be able to help raise funds for this uh, department? It's an ideal situation. The relationships that I've built over the past 26 years, the leadership uh, gave me an opportunity to serve as chairperson of the committee for 10 years and 8 years as the transportation committee. That has put me in a position to have a great working relationship with the legislative over on the capital side, but also uh, the new governor and lieutenant governor, and our board of supervisors. So with that, I think we're going to be successful in generating resources as well as taking care of our infrastructure
7: system. And lastly, what are some of the biggest hurdles you think you might face coming into this office? The biggest
1: challenge right now we have is convincing the voters, the Mississippian citizens, and the elected officials, in particular, the legislative body and other elected officials that we need to have resources. And while I am an advocate for increasing the user fee, uh, at the pump, because there's not been increased since 1989, I think it's important that we keep everything on the table, and we look at all aspects of raising resources, because we need about $3 billion more than what we have now, $300 million a year, in order to take care of our infrastructure system, eliminate collapsing road bridges, uh, remove some of the potholes and sand of our vehicles, where we are spending more money to take care of our vehicles than we would spend at the pump, so again, it's about education.
7: Thank you very much. My friend. Congratulations.
3: Thank you. Okay. Willie Simmons is the Commissioner of Transportation for the Central District. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.